So as I said, we are in the, the last week talking about what is true life. We've been taking the summer to just kind of talk about this idea, what is true life. So if you're new or have been kind of just visiting and checking things out, we began about two years ago in my basement talking about some of these ideas and uh, talking about what would it look like to start a new church. And so this is what we did two years ago, and we've been just kind of taking the summer to talk about it again because several of you weren't there and several of you that were there. Uh, it's a better environment to talk about here than in the basement. So that's why we have been kind of talking about it. What is true life? And we spent kind of the last 12 weeks talking all about that. And tonight is really just kind of a summary sermon to kind of put all of that stuff together. And so let's start with this. And this is a question that I think is really important for all of us to think about. What are we looking for? And what I mean by that is just in life, what are we looking for? What is it that we want? What are we hoping? And the answer to that question, I'll just give it away, is we're looking for life, okay? And the, the way that, I don't, I don't mean we're looking to live. We already live. If you're here, you live. But uh, I, I think, um, if not, please call 911. Um, but we all live if we're here, right? But what I mean is this, we're all looking for the good life or a full life, for life to the full. There's different ways that people talk about that. It might be talked about in kind of YOLO, you only live once. It might be talked about in carpe diem, seize the day. It might be talked about in just live life to the fullest, right? I mean, there's, we, we all are looking for life. Or another way to talk about that is we're all looking for joy. And this is true from the very beginning of time, in the sense of your time, my time. Ever since, little, ever since you've been a little kid, this is what you've been looking for. No one has to tell a little kid, hey, you should try to enjoy life, right? I mean, little kids, that's what they're looking for. They're looking to enjoy life. They're just trying to enjoy life. That's what they're doing. And they don't, they don't need a lot to do it, right? Like you ever give kids a present and they throw it away and play with the wrapping paper or the box? Or what? what I mean, they, they run around and chase each other. I mean, ever since you're a little kid, you're looking, your eyes are open to just, man, the world is wonderful and I can get joy out of it. I mean, that's, we all start that way. We all start with, I am looking for joy, I'm looking for fulfillment, I'm looking for life and life to the full, and it doesn't go away. I mean, even as adults, we don't necessarily, I mean, I don't think any of you are like, hey, what are you doing this weekend? You want to chase each other? You, I mean, you probably, we don't do that anymore, right? Like, I have a big box, you want to come and roll around in it? Maybe if you did, invite me, because, you know, it might be kind of fun. Like, I just got a brand new giant TV. Oh, really? Does it have a box? Let's play in the box. Okay, so we don't do that anymore, but we're still looking for life, right? This is what everybody is looking for. We are looking for joy, for fulfillment in life. That's what everybody is looking for. Now, here's the question. Where can life be found? That's what we're looking for. Now, where can it be found? Because this is the pursuit, joy, life, that's the pursuit in all of our hearts. Where's that to be found? And we search for it in all sorts of different places, right? I mean, some people search for it in things. So, man, if I have a bigger boat or a boat, I mean, you start there. If I have a boat and then a bigger boat, but if I have a boat, then things will be good. Or if I have a bigger house or a house, start there. We, we, we think of, man, if I have certain things, my life will be full. How am I going to enjoy life? I need toys. I need things. I mean, here's how I know this is true. I mean, they come out with a phone, and then they come out with another one, and another one, and another one, and another one, right? I mean, we're not satisfied with just a thing, but we want more things, and more things, and more things. 
And if I have enough things, maybe life will be full. If I have the right things, maybe life will be full. Maybe it'll be a good life if I have certain things, right? So that's, so where, where can life be found? Some of us, we believe, and now we don't necessarily say that. You're not going to post on Facebook, I believe life is found in material things. Okay, no, nobody says that, but, but that's how a lot of us believe, right? But if I get the right stuff, life will be full. And some of it is not things, it's relationships. So if you're single, you may think, and I remember thinking this, man, if I get married, life will be full. That'll be full. Life will be full. If I, if I can just find that right person, we even talk about it like this, I'm just looking for someone to make me happy. And we'll talk about how that's a bunch of crap in a few, couple weeks, okay? But until then, it's crap, okay? So, but we think like that. Man, if I, if I get the right relationship, it'll be happy. I'll be, or not even just romantic relationships. Parents or uh, pre, pre-parents can think about this with kids. Man, if I have a child, then life will be full. Life will be, life will be great. My, or, or even after you have kids, man, life, joy, and, and fulfillment will be found in life. People even talk about it like this, in my family. So people even say this, things don't matter. It's all, about, it's all about people. It's all about the relationships you have in your life. And now that's true, right? Like if you're choosing, but we find a lot of heartache there, right? So it's like, man, if I put my fulfillment and joy in relationships, well, people hurt you a lot more than iPhones. I can just tell you that. You're going to get hurt a lot more by people than you will by things. So maybe we think, if I get the right stuff, my life will be full. It'll be filled with joy. It'll be happy. I'll have the good life. Or maybe it's, certain, maybe it's people. Or sometimes it's our image. If people see me as a certain way, if people respect me, if people like me, if people are drawn to me or attracted to me, or if people um, want to be my friend, or if people want my advice about things, I mean, all sorts of things, we can, it's kind of our image that if I can get the right image and people look at me in the right way and come to me in the right way, ah, life will be full. So we might even pursue education. Why? Well, th- no, th- I'm all for education, okay? But sometimes we pursue education because if I have this degree, I have this status, people will look at me a certain way. I'll be respected. Then I know life will be full. There's all sorts of different avenues, okay? I just named three kind of big buckets of image and relationships and stuff. There's also success and comfort and all sorts of different things of where can life be found. But here's, here's what happens. None of it works, right? I mean, I already kind of said that with relationships, which is one of the most noble of, of uh, pursuits. And yet still, if you say, man, life will be full for my relationships, what do you do when people hurt you? Because that's what people do. And if it's in stuff, what do you do when your stuff breaks? Or when it's not cool anymore? When you still have Model 1 and everyone else has Model 4? Like, oh, I'm, I just lost three points of joy and fulfillment and life. Three life points down the drain. So here's what happens. We search. We're all looking for joy and fulfillment and life. That's what we're all looking for. We pursue it in all of these different ways. And yet what happens is we miss out. It doesn't actually fulfill us like it says it will, right? I mean, if, you, if you think it does, then, then you haven't lived long enough. 
Because no matter what, whatever you say, this will bring me fulfillment, it will disappoint you. It's kind of like, you know, have you ever gone back and watched a childhood movie that you thought was awesome? So you thought it was, so sometimes my wife, she's like, hey, let's watch an oldie but a goodie. And for me, like an oldie but a goodie is Terminator or Braveheart. For her, it's like heavyweights and mighty ducks, you know, those things. So we have different ideas of what an oldie but a goodie is, right? So we watch an oldie but a goodie, and a lot of, sometimes she still likes them, but a lot of times you watch it and go, not as good as I remembered it being. Or... Have you ever taken a vacation and you were like, man, this is going to be great. It's going to be awesome. And you go on the vacation. And if you go with someone you like, you fight. If you go with your kids, they tear the world apart. Or if you, if you just go, it's just, man, the hotel's not quite as good as it looked on TripAdvisor. The lines are a little bit longer than you remembered at the amusement park. I mean, or whatever, whatever you do on vacation. The restaurant's not quite as good as you hoped it would be or you couldn't get. I mean, here, here's what I'm saying. There's things that we go, man, this is going to be awesome. And we go into it, and it's, it doesn't quite satisfy. It doesn't quite fulfill. So we look for life in all these places, and yet nothing actually works. This is why we have to do more and more and more. Whether it's, So if it's things, we need more and more things. If it's relationships, we need more and more relationships or, or they keep hurting us and we just say, forget it, I don't even want relationships. Or if it's our image. I mean, think about your image. Man, if people like me, then life will be full. Okay, so let's say you have a day where everyone likes you. I mean, I don't, I don't know how that you even, even know if you had that kind of day, but let's say you have a day and everyone just calls you up and says, I just want to know, I like you. And you get texts from people saying, you're so awesome, I like you. So that day feels really good, but you, it's, I mean, maybe you feel great at the end of the night, but I mean, it doesn't last, right? Things don't actually deliver how they say they will. Or they work for a little bit, and then we need more and more and more and more, Right? So we're all looking for life. We search for it in all of these different places. And here's the thing. It's not even just that we are searching for it. Other people are proactively coming. I mean, this is what advertising is. Advertising is people selling you a vision of this is joy. This is life. I mean, I don't know if people read magazines anymore. But if you go into the magazine sellers think people do. So if you go into the aisles, there's still all these magazines that are showing a different version of Here's the good life, right? Whether it's sports or fitness or relationships or your sex life or whatever it is, that here you go, just read this issue and then you'll have it, right? So we're being pitched all the time too. It's not even just that we're looking for it, it's that we're being sold it all the time, nonstop. So we're all looking for life. We search for it everywhere, but we miss out. You know, I was actually just reading this article, too, because maybe you think, well, I just haven't had enough yet. If I have enough, if I have the right one, if I hit the right thing, then I'll have it. And we have this vision in our mind, right? Once I get there, I'll have it. But you've read stories like this, okay, the people that actually get there. You know what Minecraft is? I don't really know what it is. If some of you that are more nerdy than me, you probably know what it is, okay? Um... And not in a bad way, what I'm about to say, this guy's a nerd, but he made a ton of money, okay? So it's like this online world, like SimCity thing, I think. If you play it, you're like, no, that's not what it is, okay? But that's basically what it is. It's SimCity. <laughs> it's like a city of people, okay? So 
It's this whole online world that you build. The guy that developed it sold it for $2 billion to Microsoft. So that's a lot of money, right? So I just read an article this week, and he's talking about how he's the loneliest he's ever been in his life. How he has everything, parties with celebrities. He bought, I don't know, you know, you can fact check me, but a $60 billion home or something like that. I mean, just living the dream. He's got everything. I mean, we probably think if I had $2 billion, I would be able to get life to the full. Because I'd be able to get that relationship I want, my image, I could buy a degree, I could, you know, buy whatever I want, I'd be good to go. Not this guy. He says, I've reached it all. I've had it, I've got it all. And I'm the worst I've ever been. I mean, so there's a lot of, sometimes the most depressing place, and I'm not speaking this from experience, sometimes the most depressing place to be is when you reach the top. Because you go, oh crap, I have it all, and it doesn't work. Because if you have it all, and it doesn't work, then what would work? But see, you and I, I think, and I mean, if you've reached the top, if you've got two billion, let me know, but you and I, we haven't reached the top of whatever it is that we think life is, and so we're still under the delusion if I get there, I'll be okay. So there's even kind of this deceptive hope. But if you actually reach the top, then you go, uh-oh, I'm here, and it's empty. So we're all looking for life. We're all looking for joy. We're all looking for fulfillment. We search for it all over the place. And here's what's interesting. And you already know what I'm going to say if you've been coming here, okay? But here's what Jesus said. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came, so Jesus says, here's why I came to this earth. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Or another translation says, and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So where can life be found? Here's what's interesting. We look for it all over the place. And Jesus says, I came to give it. You're looking for life. I came to give it. You're looking for fulfillment. You're looking for joy. You're looking for life to the full. You're looking for the good life. I came to give it. Now, here's what I know. If you're not a Christian, and some of you in this room, maybe you're not a Christian. That's great. We're glad you're here. And I want you to know what Jesus says. If you're not a Christian, you don't believe that. But even if you are a Christian, a lot of times what we think is life is found over here. And yes, of course, I've got God in my life. Of course, Jesus is in my life. What's he there for? Well, he's here to tell me what to do. He's here to be my example so I can live a good life like he lived a good life. But we have separate categories of here's life and life to the full. Here's the good life. Here's the full life. Here's life to the fullest. And yeah, here's Jesus. But Jesus says, I came to give life. I mean, that's amazing that Jesus says, you want to know what my mission is? My mission is to give life, to give. I mean, think about that. Essential to God's character is I come to give. Is that how we think of God as a giver or more as a taker? He wants to take the things I want to do. He wants to take the life that I'm trying to build. He wants to take my time. He wants to take my money. He wants to take all the fun things out of my life. But Jesus says, I come to give. 
I came to give life and life, not, not even just like a little life, life abundantly, life overflowing, life to the full. That's what Jesus said. So even just now, wrestle with that. Is that what you believe about Jesus? That he's the one that says, that does bring life to the full. That's what he says. And yet so many times that's not where we look. So here's what this means. You know that desire we have in us? Ever since we're little kids playing with boxes and chasing one another? Jesus put that in there. God put that in there. That's not bad. Like, don't hear me say, we're all searching for life, and that's bad. Instead, search for Jesus. No. Jesus put that hunger in you for life, for joy, for fulfillment, for satisfaction, for pleasure. He put that in you. God made us. He built us with that. There's a reason that ever since we're little kids that we go, man, I want to enjoy life. God built that into us. God designed that into the fabric of humanity because he wants us to experience joy and life and fulfillment. So God put that in us. And here's what C.S. Lewis said famously. C.S. Lewis is a famous kind of Christian author, thinker. He wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, if you've heard of uh, those books and movies. Um. And he said something like this, okay, I'm not giving you an exact quote, but he said something like this, that if we find in us a hunger that nothing on this earth can fulfill, that maybe it means we have a hunger for something eternal that we were actually made for. So think about it like this. You, if the fact that you get hungry means there's something called food, right? The fact that you get thirsty means there's something called beverage. I was going to say water, but we drink all sorts of things when we're thirsty. The fact that you can get thirsty must mean that that substance exists. So the fact that we have this craving for fulfillment, for joy, but yet it never actually gets satisfied on this earth means there must be something that can satisfy it. But if we can't find it on this earth, it must mean we're made for another place. It must mean we have a hunger built inside of us for another place. The Bible says it like this. God put eternity into our hearts. That's kind of weird to think about, right? But God put eternity into our hearts. A longing and a craving for some sort of fulfillment and joy that nothing on this earth fulfills. So it either means somehow we have some weird craving that nothing can satisfy, unlike any other craving we have, or it means it's to be found not on this earth. And that's what Jesus said. I came to give life. You search for it everywhere. I came to give it. I want you to have it. I put that in you. So here's what you need to know. If you're not a Christian, you will pursue that till the day you die and never find it apart from Jesus. Or he's wrong. I think he's right. And here's what you need to know if you're a Christian. Jesus put that in you to lead you to him. So, what are we looking for? We're looking for life, for joy, for fulfillment. 
Where can it be found? We search for it all over the place. And Jesus says, I came to give it to you. Man, what a good God that he would, that he would do that. And then here's the question. How does he do that? So Jesus says, I came to give life. But what does that actually mean? How does Jesus bring life? I got to take a drink of water here because there's a craving within me for something. There we go. Okay. If only it was that easy with uh, eternity, right? So um, how does he bring life? How does Jesus bring life? Because he says that's what he does. So what does that mean? And this is kind of what we've been talking about the last 12 weeks. We've been talking about what is true life and what does this idea mean? And it's kind of broken up into three different ideas that we've talked about. True Jesus, true community, and true purpose. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at a passage in the Bible, John 17. If you have a Bible, you can open it up there or um, turn it on your app, which is really just kind of the easiest way to do it. But paper is good too. So how does Jesus bring life? I'm going to read this chapter, whole chapter, okay? So it's going to be a lot of scripture. John 17. And then we're going to go back and look at how he puts all these ideas in there of him saying, I come to bring life. And what does that actually mean? How does he actually do that? So here's John 17. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, so this whole thing is a prayer of Jesus praying to God the Father. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that's Judas who betrayed him, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you. And these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, 
that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me, because you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. So I know that's a lot, but I wanted to give you the whole picture. Here's what we're talking about. How does Jesus bring life? He says, I have come to give life and life to the full. I've come to give life and life abundantly. What everybody is looking for, I've come to give it. So how does he do that? I think this, I mean, I think the whole book of John, which if you've never read it, I encourage you to read it. The whole book of John really is about this. At the end of John, he says, I wrote this book so that you would believe in Jesus and by believing have life in his name. So the whole book is about this, but this chapter is such a succinct kind of marker of, of what this is all about. So three things that we've talked about. And if you want to go more in depth and you haven't listened to the sermons this summer, go back and listen to them online. But it's three things. It's true Jesus, true community, and true purpose. So let's go through these. First is this. And I'll just kind of put back some of what we looked at. Notice what Jesus says. This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Now this is really interesting because this is not what we think of when we think of eternal life, right? Like if, if we just said, hey, what's eternal life? We would think, oh, it's living forever or it's, it's going to heaven or it's, you know, where, where do you go when you die? And God wants us to have eternal life. But Jesus defines it differently. Jesus says what eternal life is, the life that he came to bring, is knowing the true God and Jesus. That's what eternal life is. Now here's what this means. It means that heaven is not so much a place we go to when we die as it is a person that we come to know, which we can do now and forever. See, Jesus says, eternal life, what I want you to have, is not just this awesome paradise you go to when you die. It's knowing me. It's knowing a person. It's Jesus. It's the true, and, and notice what he says, it's the true God, because there's a lot of false options out there. And Jesus isn't trying to be offensive, and I'm not trying to be offensive by repeating what he says, but if eternal life is coming into relationship with a person, then what that means is it matters what that, who that person is. And so we can't just say belief in some generic God, but he's saying the true God and Jesus Christ, whom he sent, that we find life not just in not being atheists, we find life in Jesus. We find life in the true God. That's why we even say true Jesus versus just Jesus. 
that we find life in knowing him. And here's what this means. Sin, you know, if you've ever been around church, you know the Bible talks about sin. Here's what this means. Sin is not just a bunch of bad things we do. It is that. But it's more about rejecting a person. It's more about searching for life in all of these different things instead of in Jesus. That was what the first sin was. The first sin, Adam and Eve in the garden, was them saying, we believe we could be like God. We believe that God is holding out on us, and so we will find life by ourselves. See, sin is rejecting a person more than it is just a list of actions. It is a list of actions, but it's first and foremost a person that we reject. That we say, I'm going to find life somewhere else. And so here's what this means. We're all guilty of that. I don't care how upstanding of a citizen you are. I don't care how many Bible verses you have memorized. We're all guilty of saying, I'm going to pursue life somewhere else. Jesus says that life is found in him, but I'm going to go find it over here. We're all guilty of that. The good and the bad. The religious and the non-religious. Jesus says that life is found in him. And the way the Bible talks about sin is rejecting him, primarily. And in the passage we read, Jesus talks a lot about glorify. He says, glorify my name and glorify your name. And I showed them my glory. What that is saying is this. He, show, he showed his disciples and his prayer for them and for those that would believe after them was that he would be glorified, which means to be shown as good, to be shown as the source of life above everything else because that's what we need. We need to see, man, Jesus is better than all these other things I run after. That's what we need and that's what Jesus prayed because the longing in our heart is to go after other things over here, whatever it might be. And so Jesus is praying, I want them to see. This is the struggle in all of our hearts. I want them to see how good I am, how good you are, how, that you are the giver of life. I want them to see that, that life is to be found in you. So what does it mean that Jesus comes to bring life? It means he brings himself, that he draws us into knowing him, that what Jesus is after is not just to make us good people, but it's to bring us to know him in a deep way. It's to, bring us, it's to bring us to himself, to give us himself. Over and over again in the passage, he also says things like, I in them, which is kind of weird, but he's talking about I'm in them and they're in me, this unification. And what he's saying there is this, I unite myself to these people. I, I give life to anyone that comes to me and then I bring them into my name. Think about like a marriage where someone shares the same name. There's this unity that takes place. He says, I bring them into my name. I unite them to myself. I was thinking about that this week. Man, if someone's willing to stand by your side and unite themselves to yourself, that's, that's kind of an amazing thing, right? If someone says, I'm standing with you, that's kind of, an amazing thing, no matter, I mean, we say things like, through thick and thin, I'm by your side, and things like that, but for Jesus to do that with us, it's kind of crazy, 
is he says, I'm uniting myself to you. I'm, it's me and you. I'm here with you. I'm bringing you into my name, and I'm with you. And he does that to people that are sinful people. He doesn't say, I'm going after the good people, and all of them, they can be in my name. He says, I'm going after the lost, the hurting, the broken, the sinful, the rebellious, those that have rejected me, and I'm going to unite them to myself. That's amazing. So when Jesus says, I came to give life, first what he means is I came to bring people to myself. Not just to make bad people good people, but to bring people to himself, to give people a new identity so that we're now defined by being in relationship with him. So here's what this means. If you are defined by entering into life with him, knowing him, being united to him, what that means is this. You have a new name. And so whatever you've done, it's gone. And even what you will do, it's gone. Because you are now united to Jesus. You're defined by his name. He's covering over you everything. That's an amazing thing. Jesus says, I came to give life, which means I came to bring people to know me, to be covered under my name. To be united with me. So that's first. How does Jesus bring life? He gives us himself. Second is, he doesn't just unite us to himself, but he unites us to one another. And here, here's what he says. He, you know, I, I didn't even highlight all the places, but over and over again, he says these things, keep them in your name, that they may be one, that they may all be one, that they may be one as we're one, that they may become perfectly one. So he's over and over and over again saying that life is not just found in knowing him, but in knowing him, we're united to him, which then unites us to one another. That's what true community is. That Jesus says, I unite people to myself, but listen, I unite people to myself. Not just I unite this person to myself, and then I unite this person to myself over here. Jesus says, I bring people to me. People. And so they are united to me, and then through that, they're united to one another. So what Jesus does is he makes us family. That when Jesus says, I draw you to me, he says, I draw you to one another. I mean, and even this language that we would become one. Now, again, in marriage, that's talked about a lot, two people becoming one. But Jesus prays that for the church, for community. I mean, that's what the word community means, a common unity. That, that people would become one. Because Jesus says, you, everybody that comes to me, you're in my name, but now you're all in my name together. And look at the bottom, what it says. They may become one, they may become one, that the love with which you lo have loved me may be in them. So here's what, Jesus is, here's what Jesus is doing. He's saying, I'm bringing people to myself, and then I'm creating a community I'm creating a community where my love that I've loved you with is now tangibly expressed in this community. So that I love you and then, th and then I love people through you. So that the love that I have 
in my community, the love that God has loved me with, the, God, the love that the Father loves the Son with, is now experienced in community. Because God wants us to know how much He loves us. Not just with words, but in tangible actions. And so He gives us a community. This is why, this, listen, this is why, this is why community groups and church membership are things that are so important to us here. Because it's belonging to a community. It's not just me and Jesus, and yeah, I'll kind of associate with people. It's no, I am attaching myself to a community to become perfectly one. That's Jesus' heart for us. It's to become perfectly one the way he is one. That there's a community of love that we actually belong to. This is what the church is. The church is not a place you come to. And if, if that's what it is for you today, that's totally fine. Because this is a place and we want you to come to it. But the church is a family of people that are sharing the love that God has loved them with. I mean, that's, that's why we started this. We didn't just say, hey, let's find a place to meet. We started this to create a family that this can happen in. That people can actually belong to. To be a part of. This is what Jesus wants for us because he loves us. And notice this, too. In the top, it says, Holy Father, keep them in your name. So that's going back to what we talked about with, we're defined by Jesus. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one. So here's what that means. And then even down here. And I, I made known to them your name, and I'll continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them. Here's what that means. The way we get community is not by saying, hey, let's try really hard to get community. The way we get community is by continually being reminded and experiencing the fact that we're in his name. So we talked about this when we talked about true community and that the gospel, the good news of what Jesus has done is what shapes community. Because the way you get community is by saying, what has Jesus done to me? I've got to remember that. I've got to remember that I've been brought into his name. I've got to remember that he forgave me when I was unlovely. I've got to remember that he loved me when I didn't love him, that he served me when I didn't serve him, that he gave me grace and he gave me forgiveness. I'm remembering all those things that come with being brought into his name. And as I'm kept in that reality, then community happens. If we just try to say, hey, let's all do community, what happens is we end up hurting one another. We end up just pursuing an ideal instead of saying, no, I've got to be brought over and over again to what he's done to me, which then produces community. See, all these things build on one another. He says, you've been brought into his name and keep them there that they may be one. And then finally, it's true purpose. So what is life? Jesus says, I come to bring life. It's knowing the true Jesus. It's experiencing true community. And then it's being a part of God's true purposes. And here's how he said this. And this is kind of an interesting way to, to do this. But he says this. The world has hated them because they are not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. So listen to what he says here. He's talking about Christians. The world hates them. Okay, so if I told you, hey guys, 
let's say this. Okay, you come up to me and you say, man, everybody in my office hates me. Can you pray for me? And I go, sure, let me pray. God, I pray that you would not take them out of their office. I mean, that's what he does. He says, the world hates them, and so I'm going to pray for them. I pray that you do not take them out of there. He says, look, the world has hated them, and I don't ask that you take them out of there. Instead, I actually ask that you would send them into there. Man, all these people hate me. Great, let's pray that you get sent to them. That's what Jesus does. He says, you, he says Christians are going to live in a context where their identity is different than the world's identity. That's what of means. They are not of the world. So they have a different identity. And so people are going to disagree with values and disagree with thinking and behavior and hate. And he says, but I don't want them to leave. I want them, to st- I want them actually to be sent deeper in. Why does he say that? Because this is, this is his heart. He loves the world. I mean, that's what God is all about. This is what we talked about, that God's whole heart is to bless the world. That's what God wants. And so when he gathers together a community that has experienced life with him, and they've experienced his community of love, he says, man, I do not want this community of love that's experienced life with me to leave a world that hates them. I want them to go deeper into the world that hates them because that's the very world that I want to bless and to know life in me. Because all a Christian is is someone that was a saved hater. The world is a place with hate. And all a Christian is is someone that used to be a hater and now was saved by Jesus. And so Jesus said, well, there's a bunch of other haters out there, so go to them. So they can experience life with me. So too many times what happens with Christians is we go, man, this is so great. We've got this great community. I've got me and Jesus, and this is awesome. And oh, man, look at all that bad stuff happening out there. Let's huddle up together and be safe. And Jesus says the exact opposite of that. He says, man, the world hates you, and I don't want you to leave it. I want you to go into it and love people the same love that I loved you with. Because why? Because that's how we got in in the first place. Jesus came into a world that hated him and said, I come to bring life. I mean, Jesus could have stayed in a place where everything was great. It's called heaven. But he didn't do that. He said, I'm going to go to a place that hates me. And then what he says is, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. As you've sent me into the world, I've sent them into the world. This is where we get the word missionary from. That word sent in Latin is missio. And so as Jesus was sent into this world, he says, now you are my strategy to love the world. Now you are my strategy to bring, to bring blessing to the world. Now you are my strategy to help people find life with me. Jesus said, I came to give life. And now what he does is he sends the church to bring life by bringing people to Jesus by loving people, by serving people, by blessing people. This is what Jesus says. As you sent me into the world, now I send them into the world. And he also says this. See, just look over and over again how he repeats this. Father, you are in me and I'm in you that they may be in us 
So that's, man, I want them to know me, and I want them to have community, but why? That the world may believe that you sent me. I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me. See, there is a so that to our life together. There is a so that to our life together. Jesus doesn't want you just to know him and enjoy him and repent of your sin and see how awesome he is and just sit in a chair and do that. And he also doesn't want you just to have awesome community just so you have awesome community. There's a so that. He says, I want you to experience all this so that the world would know who I am. Because that's God's heart. God's heart is to give life. And he never wants it to stop with us. He doesn't just give us life and then say, Arr! I mean, no one says that, but I mean, he, that's not what he wants to happen. That's, that was breaks. That was breaks. Just, it's stopping there. He wants it to flow through. He wants to give us life so that we are conduits of giving that life to others. Listen, if you don't live your life with a so that, you're not part of Jesus' mission and his purpose and what he wants. If you go, man, I experienced how much God loves me. Why do you think he's doing that? So that you would love others. Man, I've got this great community. Why? So that you could give it to others. That's what his heart is. He, he is the life giver and it doesn't stop with us. He wants to give more and more people life. Because he's good. I mean, that's how you and I got in. He gave us life. And he wants to give through us what he's given to us. And so he sends us. So, how does Jesus bring life? How does he do that? We're all looking for life. We're all searching for life. We look for it in all these places, and Jesus says it's to be found in him. How does he actually do it? He does it by first bringing us to him, knowing and enjoying him. Is that where you are? And then he does it by bringing us deeply into community, perfectly one. Not kind of one, not kind of fringe. He says, I want you to experience depth of community. And then I want all of that to happen so that you are a part of my mission, part of my purposes in the world. That's what life is. This is what life is. Jesus says, I come to give you life. This is what it is. Now, here's the, here's the thing. We will search for life, right? Somewhere. And I also believe we will find it. But it might just not be true life. And that's why we call this church true life. Because you will find life. You will find it. You'll find joy. You'll find fulfillment. You'll find it. But it might not be what God actually intended it to be. It might be some false version of community or some not the true God that Jesus brings us to or not true purpose, but living your life with some other purpose, with some other pursuit. And Jesus says, I want you to have life with me. And why does he speak all these things? He said it, we, we saw it earlier, but here's what it says. But now I'm coming to you and these things I speak in the world they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. You see, over and over, I mean, just look at, look at this character of this guy. He's like, God, I'm praying all this to you that they would have my joy fulfilled in them. 
That's what God wants for you. That's what he wants for us as a church. He wants joy. He wants his joy in us fulfilled. And here's one of my favorite parts. I do not ask for these only, so his immediate disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Who's that? That's us if you're a Christian. Because the way you became a Christian is through believing in Jesus through the words that they taught. So he says, I'm, I'm not just praying all of these things about life with me and unity and oneness and community and purpose. I'm not just praying that for these 12 disciples. I'm praying that for everybody that will believe in me through their words. So here's, listen, this is mind-blowing. And he's, you know, Jesus is God, so I think when he's praying this, he's got you in his mind. I don't know how that worked, if it's just big and broad, but I, I kind of think, man, he's got pictures flashing in his mind. And I'm praying for I'm praying for these people right here. I'm praying for this church right here that they would become perfectly one, that they would be united to me, that they would be sent as I was sent into the world, that my joy would be fulfilled in them. I'm not just I mean he's making a point to God as if God would you know ignore him if he didn't say this, but he's God. I'm not just praying for these people. I'm praying for everybody that's going to believe in me through their word. Now that is why we started this church. That's why we started this church is to answer. Jesus's prayer because Jesus prays I want people to experience life with me and that's what we've been able to see happen too and we've been able to see God give people life whether that's life of coming to know him for the first time or a depth of relationship with him whether that's life in community of actually going man I'm actually becoming one I'm not just looking at church as a place I show up to or life in I'm a part of God's purpose now there actually is a so that to my life that's, that's why we started this, is because Jesus says, I'm, I, I'm not wanting this to stop here. He says, I want more and more people to believe in me, to find life in me. To not end up having this craving for life and pursuing it in the wrong way. But to actually find it, to find the joy fulfilled. Man, that's what God's heart is. That's what Jesus' heart is. And you know, this is John chapter 17. He is praying this, it says, with blood. He, so it says he is actually sweating blood as he's praying these prayers. So he is, this is right before. When this chapter finishes, you know, switch it to 18 if you want. This is 17. When he finishes, what does he do? He goes to die on the cross. Because what more is there to be said? He, he left it all, left it all on the table. Or left it all on the field. He kind of pours out his heart to God of this is what I want for people. Life. And now I'm ready to die. Because he's prayed it all. And because that's how he brings us life. You see, the way that Jesus brought us life is through his death. He gave us his life that we would have life. When we take communion, that's what we remember. That Jesus so passionately wanted life for us that he was willing to give us his life. That he said, the only way you can have the kind of life that I'm praying for you, the only way you can have the kind of life that I am talking to God and earnestly pleading with him for, this is the longest prayer recorded. The only way that can happen is if I give my life, if I take your sin on the cross that you should have, and instead I take it. That way I can bring you to me. 
to God. That way I can reconcile you to me. That way I can give you this community. That way I can give you this purpose. That's the only way. So Jesus prays all this and then goes to the cross to make it happen. And so if you're a Christian, when you take communion, remember, man, that God gave you his life so that you would have life. And if you're not a Christian, I'm just telling you, this is what Jesus did for you. And he wants you to know life. He wants you to find life with him. And then what we'll do is we'll sing songs. And if, if, if that's kind of weird for you or, you know, you're not a Christian and you don't want to sing songs, that's fine. It's just another way that we kind of teach our theology of what we believe. And it's a way we speak that back to God and say, God, thank you that you've done this for me. And so we'll sing songs and we'll, we'll give tithes and offerings. So if you're not a Christian, don't give anything. We want you to receive life. And that's why we give tithes and offerings. And listen, if you don't give tithes and offerings, don't give anything tonight. Unless God tells you otherwise, okay? But don't give anything. Because I, I don't want you to hear this right now as any sort of pitch to guilt you. But this is what I want to say. This is why we do that. So for and many of you, man, you give faithfully. This is why. Because we want people to have life. We want people to have life. And, and so giving, you know, in the old school, they'd pass around the baskets. Now most people give online. And so sometimes it's disconnected from what's happening here. But this, if you give, man, this is why we give. We give because we go, man, God, you've given me life and I want other people to have life. And so I just want to say, man, if you give, thank you because you are contributing to other people experiencing life. Man, that's such a beautiful thing. So again, not trying to guilt you. If you don't give, don't worry about it. But I want to say thank you to those you do because that's what we're doing. We're saying, man, God has given us life and we want other people to have it. And it's a beautiful thing. It's an act of worship, the Bible says. It says it smells good to God that he goes, man, that's so awesome. It says that. It's a fragrant offering, it says. And that's why. So just know that, that when you give, it's not kind of like you're paying your bills. It's, it's this act of worship to God say, God, you're so good. Thanks for giving to me, and I want to give to others. Okay, so let, let's pray, and, and let's respond in singing. God, thank you that you give us life. Jesus, thank you that you were willing to give up your life so that we could find life with you. That you experienced death so we could have life. God, thank you that you, thank you that you um, have allowed this church to exist and that you are working in people's lives. God, thank you for that, that you are bringing life to people. God, thank you for the people that you have brought from death to life that didn't know you at all. I thank you for the people that you have given community that, that didn't have it before. Thank you for the people that you have given a sense of purpose and mission that, that didn't have that before. God, I thank you for the life that you are giving to us here. And God, I know there's so many more people out there in this city that you love, that you want to have life. And so, Lord, I pray that as you were sent into this world, God, that we would be sent to help other people find life with you. God, thank you that you want joy for us and goodness for us, that, that you actually say that you want your joy fulfilled in us and that you prayed that for us. God, thank you for that. You're good loving and giving God. And we thank you, Jesus. Amen.